0: you're listening to music tectonics
1: welcome back to music tectonics i'm dimitri Vitsa, the founder of rock paper scissors i've got with me tristra new year Jaeger. hey there again uh this is our second episode and uh i hope you enjoyed the first one this time we're gonna take a stab it's the end of 2018 we thought we'd take a stab at talking through some of the news and trends in the music technology areas that we heard about through the news, and um, and just sort of talk about things that, that emerged. I would say 2018 was the year of the smart speaker. No, wait, wait. 2018 was the year of the music IPO. No, 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 wait. 2018 was the year of China's growth in the music industry. Uh, I don't know. There was a lot of things that happened this year, right, Tristra? It was extremely
0: busy and somewhat unpredictable, judging by what we we just looked back at some of the 2018 predictions, and we won't name names, you know, to protect the innocent, but there were some pretty interesting trends that didn't really come to fruition the way people were expecting.
1: So since we're wrapping up 2018, I guess... Warning to all you people who are about to do your January articles about the trends of 2019. Somebody might look back at them, but you know that's okay. <laughs> we still want to know what your guesses are for for 2019. It's fun to think about, even if uh, you know accuracy isn't the measure of uh, engagement on those conversations. But let's let's talk about voice and let's talk about smart speakers because um, wow, there that that this this was the year that it seems like. That really, really took off.
0: Yeah, it really went from zero to 60 in remarkably little time. And it was kind of surprising to me personally, how fast people have adopted smart speakers kind of into their lives. And music is a big part of the smart speaker usage. Some of it is pretty basic stuff from what I understand. I don't have one. Um, I'll full, full disclosure here. Um, but it sounds like people are using their speakers to find Um, music, though, sometimes uh, apparently Alexa um, and other uh, assistants can be quite cantankerous in their ability to find what you're looking for. Um, I know that there's been a lot of development and improvement in um, Alexa's ability to find music contextually, And there's been a lot of use of lyrics and other um, ways to find music that um, is really, really optimized for voice. So it's interesting how things are shifting and it'll be fun to see in a year or two how people understand um, what are the essential sort of fields they need to know in terms of well, how, how can you, how can I find the music that I want to hear right now? Do I need to ask for a mood? Do I have to ask for certain lyrics? Am I looking for really specific info on artists? Um, that'll be really, really interesting to see how usage evolves.
1: Well, I mean, to me, the, the whole um, voice and the smart speaker uh, emergence is is really related to taking away more barriers to engaging with these devices and music in the process. uh, you know, As we know, radio still drives a lot of listening for mainstream music consumption because there's a button. You turn it on and that's it, you start hearing music. And uh, you don't even have to change the station, but you could, you've got presets for your stations and so forth, so you're not picking what am I gonna listen to, what mood am I gonna listen to, whatever, you're just turning it on. And I think that's why, and of course, people spend a lot of time in their cars as well, but voice and the smart speaker, basically takes that type of experience and puts it in the atmosphere of your home and your office wherever you are to where yes you might have to say something hey alexa sorry i just triggered your your speakers all around podcast (laughs) line there uh and and get something going in terms of a you know an artist a song an album a mood a playlist whatever but it's this idea that technology it's not not just mobile anymore. It's ambient. It's, it's the, the world around you becomes the technology. So it it removes barriers for people to listen to more music. So increased consumption and also, um, new forms of discovery as well, because you won't be typing, you'll be talking. And what will you be saying? You know, Hey, I've got a dinner party coming up. Uh, give me a Latin themed thing for my, Empanadas or something you know whatever it is <laughs> and, so.
0: yeah, and you end up with reggaeton <laughs> which may or may not be the atmosphere you're looking for um yeah there's it's also going to be interesting to see if music becomes almost like we were talking about like a utility where people expect to have some kind of ambient environment you know not not that we're all going to become um you know the equivalent of Muzak constant music consumers i know that dates me but um uh, will we want environments where music is constantly our companion, even at even in ho- at home, instead of having, say, the TV on or other ambient noise that may be a little less um, harmonious, um, depending on what our activities are? So that could be an interesting development. We'll see is how people actually uh, begin to shape their environments through constant music or sound
1: engagement. You know, I'd also say, and this is related to the smart speaker, is that. 2018 was a big year for metadata conversations in the music industry and how using metadata as tags and triggers and anchors for accessing um, songs and, and playlists and, and so forth really is reaching a new level of maturity uh, in the in the streaming and digital age, which is pretty interesting. Um, but uh, now with the quick emergence following that of the smart speaker, there's additional steps for... Um, Catalog um, rights holders and pro- music producers and so forth to make their music ripe for that kind of voice-activated access and discovery. So it'll be interesting to see. And then if you take this to another kind of um, practical level, we've had we've seen a lot of different products uh, emerge in the smart speaker space. And so you see, you know, you see the 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 Googles and the Amazons and the Apples, all... And the Facebooks. And the Facebooks, all launching stuff, including smart speakers, or these now, if, if, to, to, to date this episode, for future listeners, right now on TV uh, and Netflix and so forth, there's tons of ads for, not Netflix, on Hulu, there's tons of ads for Facebook portal and Google's version of this little screen with a speaker and so forth, where now they're expecting you to have these little space-age things, not in your pocket, but on your desk, where you're instantly talking to friends and family, um... So, oh, boy. Yeah. Exciting stuff.
0: <laughs> the other side of the data um, equation in that we were both talking about before we started uh, this conversation, Dimitri, was how more and more data is being unlocked to artists and labels and their teams. So um, I think almost every streaming platform has begun to offer um, artists and and you know the people who love them and, and tend them. Um, opportunities to see exactly what's happening on their platforms. And there's also other other dashboards where artists can get a bigger picture view across platforms and services as well. And so there's really been a, a bigger um, emphasis on the artist side on looking at data, not just how do we, you know, what, what kind of tags and what, what do we put into these fields here for our recorded music but how do I understand what's happening with my music now that it's released? So there's some, that's a really interesting side of things. And I feel like that's, that's a place that's gonna be really fertile for further um, innovation, deeper understanding. We're gonna see lots of very niche uh, approaches that then tweak these, this data in really interesting ways and let people do some really interesting things and engage with their fans um, or figure out some way to make their career uh, shape it in a a different way than they would have been able to do without that information.
1: Yeah, I think about uh, Linkfire got some nice references at some of the uh, music industry trade conferences this year and seems to be picking up a lot of traffic, a service that looks like you're getting a one-placed landing page to access different streaming services based on what you're subscribed to. So an artist or a label can put this landing page powered by link fire and you can click on the spotify one because you have a spotify subscription or you could click on a different one for access to another music page and, and so forth and um it looks like, oh, it's a fancy Bitly, but in reality, there's a lot of other data tracking, seeing where conversions happen down the line, what the consumer, the fans' interaction is with your music later. So you also have these other, like you're saying, other layers of data as well, uh, companies like Chartmetric and Soundcharts also providing access to data across um, streaming services, learning more uh, insights from playlists and and so forth. So, um, you know, I think there's still quite a bit of um, outcry from the creator community about whether streaming services are paying enough um, and you know whether uh, artists that are full-time career musicians can make a living through these streaming services. So it's early days for a lot of those artists, um, especially the ones that haven't built up a mass audience to know whether that data is enough value to start monetizing more, but I think it's still early to say. And in fact, um, you shared with me the, the uh, Benedict uh, Evans yeah. ben, uh, article that basically, uh, a couple of weeks ago actually, that basically said we're, we're at the end of the beginning, um, which I think a lot of these things, these things that we're going to talk about throughout this episode and a lot of the news of 2018 was sort of showing, well, we've reached this le- level of maturity in this digital space, but it really is just the beginning. We may be at the end of the beginning and there's so much more to happen. And and so even when, you know, a Spotify or an Apple music uh, artist platform says, oh look, we're giving you this data. And the reaction is, eh, what I really wanna do is get paid. Um, (laughs) It's still just the end of the beginning. I think, you know, this is just, it's like we've got to the starting line again and now we have to begin building from there.
0: And there's, uh, speaking of streaming services, here's going to be, watch the segue, guys. Um, this, <laughs> hmm. We had some really interesting movement um, in terms of public offerings this year in the music space. And I think that is something that if you'd asked someone five years ago, uh, that would have been like, what? But music is collapsing and dying and no one's going to buy music. Well, um, Spotify's DPO and Sonos's IPO um, really demonstrate that there is, and Ten Cents' upcoming IPO, whenever that, you know, whatever happens with that. Um, There's a lot of interest from investors in music now. And I think that really points, you know, whatever that means, it really points um, to how the music industry has recovered and that it's kind of weathered this intense digital transformation. Um, It also points, you know, speaking of investment, I was talking to Dimitri a bit about um, how not only have companies become Have gone public but we also have catalogs things that people never would have thought of as an asset uh, you know a major asset that could be used as an investment vehicle as like sort of an asset class Um, you know this year we saw a huge number of purchases acquisitions of catalog Um, it's been really really interesting to watch and i know um, i remember talking to folks a couple years ago about being able to trade um, against your rights or borrow against your rights, and, and there are some platforms out there that allow musicians and publishers and rights holders to do that. But that that team seemed to me a little bit far fetched. But now it's seeming, you know, that's that is very much what's starting to happen on a at least at the high level and it'll be interesting to see if and how it filters down to artists in various stages of their career, different catalogs.
1: And it's diverse in terms of what those investment vehicles are or how you, how you describe those, because some of them actually are investments. you are buying rights to, to make make money off the, the intellectual property of music in the future. Some of them are more like, um, payroll advances <laughs> where, um, you know, you're going to pay back with interest, uh, but it gives you a chance to invest in your own recordings if you're doing independent, uh, studio recordings and, and things like that. So, uh, definitely an interesting space to watch and to see if it really turns into something that, um, creates an opportunity for everyday investors to feel like they're investing in the music industry of artists creators. Um, so that, that, that could be very interesting. Uh, another thing that uh, has gotten a little bit of talk, but not a ton of visibility lately, it was a f- several months ago. Facebook started licensing uh, music, so that that process began. It's it, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk or clarity around who's making music, uh, making money on uh, <laughs> Facebook's music uses, and uh, a, a little bit of positing within industry trade conferences about are they following a similar path to YouTube? Are they doing something a little different than YouTube? Because obviously the content was already there and different levels of patience (laughs) of uh, rights holders or rights administrators trying to figure out um, how aggressive to be with uh, protecting their content versus optimizing use of their content on Facebook. But that'll, that'll be interesting to see if that continues to grow as a significant revenue stream my my sense um without having a lot of deep knowledge of, of the specifics but my sense is there's still a lot of engagement on facebook the video engagement on facebook is is continuing to grow and is significant and there will be another additional revenue stream that didn't exist as a result that's my hope anyway
0: The other interesting thing that that points to is that licensing is a must, it's not something you think about afterwards anymore. Um, Even for startups, it's something that has to be done in advance, Um, and even things like sample clearance is becoming a real thorn in the side of of creators in certain ways, Um, but these licensing um, uh, prerogatives are being enforced way more consistently and more aggressively around, especially around the developed world. So if we're looking at, say, the recent um, ruling in favor of Kraftwerk, um, which was a pretty key case in sampling, basically it's saying no matter how short the sample is, no matter how unobtrusive in the track or unrecognizable it is, it still has to be cleared. And I think that's a really, just that licensing used to be something, it was an afterthought for a lot of tech platforms. Um, you know, think about what, had, what SoundCloud had to go through, for instance. Um, and I think that now um, Facebook's move has shown that even people that don't consider themselves a music company have to consider music licensing um, or face some pretty nasty potential consequences.
1: Speaking of SoundCloud, I would say another interesting thing uh, about 2018 is that SoundCloud didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was that moment where you there was some news about um, various uh, hip hop artists abandoning SoundCloud and uh, people being worried that maybe the, all their content would be shut down with SoundCloud and so they were moving on to other things and so forth. But um, it didn't it didn't play out in the worst case scenario, which is nice to see.
0: In fact, SoundCloud is still a big source of music discovery, especially hip-hop and some other genres. So um, good job, guys. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) You made it through. (laughs) And
1: and while we're making broad brushstroke comments about a trend for a specific company over the course of this 2018, YouTube made lots of announcements this year. There was a lot of uh, uh, Lyra Cohen statements and... um, I think YouTube Red got its real strong rollout this early, early this year. Um, I'm not sure that I have any strong conclusions of all those announcements, but uh, they're certainly still there and doing, uh, going strong. Well, (laughs) the
0: thing I would say about YouTube is that they've really, they seem to roll out products pretty frequently and um, it it seems to be somewhat confusing for uh, music fans. Um, no one knows what premium versus music versus, you know, what key was read, like, what do, what do I actually need to get what I want from YouTube? And, and most of it is like, well, I will just watch these stupid ads. Um, that's the, or these wonderful ads, (laughs) (laughs) depending on your perspective. Um, so, you know, I think YouTube has, they, they obviously have a music, you know, a, a broad music strategy to be diplomatic about it, but they ha- they they seem to lack a kind of focus that would help people convert to a subscription uh, model on there. And, and maybe I'm totally wrong, and someone from YouTube would slap me with some data, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry."
1: I guess um, one thing similar to the SoundCloud scare was the YouTube scare of 2018, which was where smaller creators were no longer going to be um, considered for advertising. Uh, revenue shares, and there was a lot of kind of criticism and concern and worry over that. That seems to have died down quite a bit. I'm not sure exactly what the uptake was. It may be just that so many of those creators that were concerned really weren't collecting that much money in the first place, Um, or that if they're in existing networks, like with CD Baby Artist, for example, they're already going to be collecting... Um, as a result of larger deals that have been negotiated I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure but but there was a moment where there seemed like there was a lot of uh, concern from the creator community on that
0: yeah it's been definitely a, an interesting year for YouTube news um, on the creator side and on the product side so um, it'll be interesting to see if they how things you know sort out in 2019. Um, one thing that YouTube has been very vocal about in very recent weeks, and this is pretty fresh news, is Article 13 and some of the uh, safe harbor restrictions in Europe, um, things that musicians and other rights holders have been asking for around the world for years. Um, slightly uh, similar to the Music Modernization Act, though I think the emphasis of the Music Modernization Act is, is a bit different. But there are some similar there's some similarities in that both are trying to address... Uh, the current state of digital of you know the ability to pass uh, content around so so easily and for people to uh, upload things or share it across like myriad sites uh, very very simply um, so it'll be interesting to see how that discussion plays out as well uh, in terms of how do we how is licensing gonna play with some of these restrictions um, on you know, on safe harbor, uh, will there be a big case, uh, where someone has to face some pretty uh, extensive, um, penalties from the EU because they allowed something to be posted? Have we, are we going to finally have a solution for, you know, take down and stay down for people who are consciously trying to violate, um, a rights holders, uh, rights and, and, you know, right to revenue? Um, that's a, this is going to be very, very interesting 2019 when it comes to some of those issues, I
1: think. You know, another thing that um, played out quite a bit in 2018, especially earlier part of the year that I think is going to play out again in 2019 is the differentiation between music streaming services. Um, There's some organic differences as a result of how they came to be, um, ranging from Apple's legacy as the original kind of MP3 um, leader versus YouTube's uh, video focus versus Spotify being created from scratch for what its purpose is now. Um, And there was a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of conversations over a few years about how music streaming services interact with social media services, social networks, and also how social those streaming services are on their own platforms as well. And it looks like as we come to a close of 2018, both Apple and Spotify have been sending messages that they're kind of winding down a lot of the social aspects that they were kind of toying with. I think originally, mostly as differentiators from competitors. Um, but possibly also because they thought it would actually augment use, um, if people could interact around music on the, the, their native platforms, but it'll be interesting to see whether somebody else comes out with a more social way. Interestingly, a lot of the social interaction around music in apps and online are more like the uh, Musical.ly TikTok types of um, platforms where it's, it feels a little more like you're creating content for your friends first. Um, not that that's the same as listening to um, recorded music from the industry, from studios, versus uh, people doing kind of like karaoke and dancing up steps and doing all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's been it's it's interesting to see how a lot of experiments that were outside of both of those ecosystems have have kind of struggled to get a really strong foothold. Though I'm sure they have their popular their users who were you know diehard fans because the, everyone seems to agree that music should be social and somehow it should take. And there's just n- a, there's not really been something that's really clicked um, perfectly with all of these different music-loving contingents um, and and audience segments. One thing that's interesting about Facebook that I wondered as they kind of slowly and and very quietly dial back their social aspects is are they looking to pull a Facebook and become... Oh, which which company do you mean? um, Sorry, Spotify. Um, As they roll those things back, are they thinking that, well, maybe we could start... Uh, they sort of there's been some indication that Spotify hopes to own you know in in hopes of becoming profitable to own both sides of the market so to speak so that the artist side would have to pay for additional access to fans and. Um, that's I, I'm wondering if that's on its way or if that might be that might be a total red herring and something I'm just making up but it's uh, interesting you're,
1: you're saying that because Spotify editorial playlists are so strongly surfaced and the user-generated ones are getting a little bit lower in the searches or
0: yeah that you and also that there there's some other aspects like it's harder and harder to see what your friends are listening to and it's harder to find kind of, again, that more social stuff that you could you used to be able to do. I mean, it's still easy to share um, links to songs or albums or artists, et cetera. Uh, but doing it within the platform is getting harder, and it's kind of de-emphasized because I do think that Spotify wants to have control over those channels so that eventually they could be monetized. And, you know, I got to hand it to them. They, they've got a, a road to, you know, they've got a little bit of an uphill climb with the some of their other obligations, so... I mean, it doesn't. It would make sense as the next move.
1: And I guess we can't talk about Spotify in 2018 without mentioning that they have been playing around with this uh, direct artist deals, um, playing around with some uh, key, marquee artists trying to go direct deals with, uh, with some hints in the media that maybe they're trying to pull what Netflix pulled in terms of having original content without having to work with um, um, record labels. And uh, and then going all the way down the chain to oh you can upload directly to Spotify so it it's it's interesting to see and again I don't know whether this is just to differentiate from competitors or if there is some larger economic model shifting that they're they're aiming towards it's kind of hard to predict how it will go and whether they really want to provide customer service to the long tail of, <laughs> of <laughs> hundreds of thousands of artists sure that uh. sounds like fun. <laughs>
0: um, and Apple have made a recent similar move, or that's the way it's, at least it's being framed in the media by purchasing a fairly, um, not a, a little known uh, similar uh, uh, sort of platform that allows people to upload mu- music called Platoon. Um, and then I, I don't know whether there's some, uh, that's also a play for data. They have some cool backend thing that that is their secret sauce. Uh, but it's been, a, it was, that was an interesting move in that, you know, we usually think of Apple as, Uh, driving their content strategy to keep you in their hardware ecosystem. And here they are trying to acquire content in a way that is potentially quite challenging um (laughs) when
1: you wonder if that's a a tit-for-tat kind of move yeah you're gonna do that well we're gonna do something like that too
0: we're gonna buy this company here huh another i mean actually
1: acquisitions is something that's always interesting to look at over the year and i don't have a list of all the acquisitions in the music technology space this year but one that definitely stood out was uh shazam being purchased by apple and my initial thought is, oh, no, now when I pull up a song using Shazam, I'm not going to be able to push it off to Spotify. But having conversations with other in the industry, they said, well, actually, it's really a great tool for... Uh, a listening tool for Apple to know what people are interested in you know immediately what parts of the country or what parts of the world are interested in certain songs and then how do you surface those editorially to continue to make people happy or what kind of deals to do with what labels and artists and so forth based on something that pops on Shazam so it may not be in their best interest to remove Spotify from the Shazam experience and just so that so that they know what Spotify listeners are listening to That's as well. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be a really interesting. Um, again, it's a data play, so you kind of wonder what their, you know, wh- what their ultimate um, thinking behind some of these
1: moves. And is. I, I will add one more acquisition that has to be mentioned, which is the Sirius XM. Uh, relationship with Pandora that's deepened through investment um, this year, and very, very interesting to see how that plays out, especially when you look at the advertising side of it, the ad tech oh, world, yeah. um, and what the opportunities there are to be able to advertise to all those cars on satellite, and then also to any other formats on Pandora, so that's... that's
0: yeah, that's going to be a really interesting company to watch. Um <laughs> I see. I see. We were going next. Sorry. Yeah, I just highlighted <laughs> our little outline here.
1: Oh uh, well, should we mention it or not? I mean, there was definitely a lot of talk about blockchain this this year, um, especially early in the year, and um, w- maybe not a ton of breakthroughs in music yet there. Um, but it's it's certainly not going away. Um, <laughs> there's there's certainly a lot to be said for. Uh, a a decentralized ledger of information, whether it's directly with the, the commerce uh, side of it um, who knows, but, but clearly we're not going to have a a global database that fixes everything and writes for music. So maybe it's time to start adding other methods for tracking all the ways in which music's being used and all the metadata surrounding the music. So I don't have anything else to say about blockchain, but (laughs)
0: it's going to be really interesting to see. I know that, um, Right now, there's a big push to work out some significant technical challenges and things like Ethereum. So as these systems mature more, um, I know there's a lot of passionate people who feel very strongly that there's some solutions there. You know, I think it's kind of a wait and see thing. And and there's always going to be hype with a new technology. And and there's been some really enthusiastic and charismatic and quirky people uh, pushing for blockchain Uh, But we'll see. You know, I keep going back to the fact that the music data problem is a human problem. The fact is that humans haven't been entering data and sharing data. And no matter how the files are um, tracked or maintained, you still have to get people doing the right things with their data and that has, you know, there's a lot of standards that have been put in place. There's a lot of, like, there's a culture of improving data. Um, so that may be something that just has to be, you know, that has to seep more into business practices and from the recording studio to, um, you know, your publisher or PRO. Um, and that, that is a, essentially a human problem that I don't think the technological solution is going to make that much difference if you don't have people doing things right.
1: And in recent years, we're seeing the use, probably one of the earlier uses of artificial intelligence in the music industry has to do with data cleanup, has to do with. Um, understanding the likelihood that you're matching the right payments based on the correct rights and the right territories and and so forth. Um, But this year we definitely saw um, a a boost in artificial intelligence being used for creation of music, uh, for composition as well, which is interesting. I guess there was uh, early in the year, there was also mention of quote fake artists on Spotify, for example, (laughs) or artists that were, um, basically machines are using machines to fill uh, ambient types of playlists and things like that.
0: I mean, if it's a sleep playlist, what do you, what do you want? Like let a machine do it. It's cool. Um, it's a white noise machine. No, music. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, th- you know, that, that is again, a really interesting struggle that I think Spotify has been trying to work out and they haven't figured out how to square that circle the way Netflix has. Maybe it's because they've gotten in, you know, if they had been making, um, if they had been doing sort of artist deals or, 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 supporting music, uh, creation from the very beginning, uh, in-house, then maybe it wouldn't have been such a struggle now, but, um, AI is going to really change things because not only can you have these sort of, uh, interesting projects, um, that are hybrid, um, AI human performers, but you also have, you know, uh, things like, uh, little Mc Little Michaela, I would say, is that how I pronounce her name who is completely um, algorithmically generated um, or more or less, you know, what if if what do we make of that? Who owns the rights to that? If I create the algorithm, do I own the rights? If I create what you know some aspect of of her persona or um, the sounds that she makes, do I own that? So there's gonna be some crazy business things to sort out with AI as well as just, do you know there may be maybe one of those things like uh cds versus streaming where people take sides like i am an audiophile and i only listen to completely human generated music like i mean you could see someone having a cocktail party
1: discussion like that <laughs> in the near future hmm, definitely uh, and uh, yeah it's it, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out. you wrote an interesting piece on our musictectonics.com tectonics.com blog uh, a little bit about changing perspectives on on what is art and, and, you know, is AI art, art? Um, And just change sort of, sort of like what, how do we think about the creation of art and music uh, in a world where people write the algorithms that write the music rather than writing the music and changing the sense of what the value and ownership of the art is pretty intriguing.
0: Yeah, it's, we, I think we could look back to, times in the 19th and and especially the early to mid 20th centuries where people were dealing with similarly hugely paradigm shifting um, technologies that were affecting the way people understood what an image was or or, um, understood what was real. (laughs) So um, in in quotation marks. So there's, there's a lot. I think one thing with technology that we forget to do is look back and see how humans have coped with technological change in the past because where we are now is unique, of course, but it is never completely wholly cut from a new cloth. It's always got some continuity in there.
1: Hmm. And I guess uh, we can't have this episode about uh, news roundup and and trends of 2018 without talking about the big uh, awareness, if not influence, of the Chinese music market and music technology platforms, uh, many of which we probably haven't even heard about yet in the U.S., Um, but we certainly heard enough to know there is a big market there. Um, And uh, looking at bigger shifts that, you know, I think for a long time, at least in the United States, people thought, well, China's huge. At some point, it's going to be impacting our economy and our innovation and so forth. And I think 2018 said, yeah, it's now. There's the, the the middle class in China is plenty big now. There's lots of buying power there, um, bigger than America. And, uh, and we're seeing some interesting um, sort of, uh, of, of culturally different uses of technology as it relates to how people engage with music. That's very intriguing and will influence American culture uh, hugely. And also the, the kind of the economic effects of, both the consumption of music in china and also the export of these new types of music forms and creations and apps and experiences to america is uh it's just going to get bigger and uh, we're going to be hearing about it more and more
0: yeah it's kind of funny because china has yet to break into sort of the pop seen in places like the US, Um, whereas, you know, you've got K-pop and there are just tons and tons of Chinese pop music. So it's kind of, that's really fascinating um, that it's been actually these apps that have had more impact on the way Americans consume music than um, Chinese, the Chinese sort of pop music or other kinds of music, even though there's just, you know, a lot lot going on in China that Americans seem to be completely oblivious to or, or haven't had a chance to hear about. The other interesting thing too, though, is now there's a totally different licensing environment in China for music. So, um, it, you know, you kind of wonder did these did some of these companies get a kind of interesting head start that uh, companies starting out in the states or Canada or Germany wouldn't be able to have? Um, and how will they deal with a very different um, environment outside of their uh, you know their their home market? So it's going to be a really interesting time, and and the other thing I want to add is that it seems like there's a lot more understanding of how to create an interesting social experience with or around music on some of these Chinese platforms and apps. Now they, it may not be the experience that many of us are used to, or but or, or you know, but I think a lot of younger users, especially, are really um, excited by some of the things on TikTok and. Um, other similar apps, so it'll be—it's going to be very, very interesting to see um, how that unfolds in the next year or so.
1: So we didn't take the gamble and make any predictions for two thousand nineteen, which is just fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also know that we probably didn't capture all the highlights of the music tech. Um, news of 2018 we'd love to hear from you what do you think we missed in this conversation tweet at us Uh, we're at at music tectonics on twitter we'd love to engage in that conversation and always open to hear ideas of uh, topics we should tackle um, guests we should interview and 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 more here on Music Tectonics thanks so much for joining us I'm Dimitri Viza. Tristra Neer-Jager is with us today again uh, our regular special guest uh, you can learn more about us at rockpaperscissors.biz the PR firm we we uh, head over to every day and the musictectonics.com blog and sign up for our newsletter there and spread the word let other folks know uh, that we've launched the podcast. We're looking forward to seeing you around uh, various music industry events and uh, continuing these conversations. Thanks so much. Happy New Year.
0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.